Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. You know, the value proposition was pretty simple. Let's take the business elements off of the talent's plate so they can focus on what they do best. And for companies, let's provide them with rapid access to pre-vetted freelance talent. And that was really a solution for both of the issues that we found when we were hiring people ourselves. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. I haven't done many interviews on this show, but when today's guest reached out to me, I thought he sounded interesting and worth shining a light on. Rashawn Blumberg is an entrepreneur and the co-founder of Brickwall Management, an entertainment management company. As they hired freelancers to build websites and apps within the industry, they kept bumping up the same problem, which is a universal one, that good, reliable talent is hard to find and sometimes even harder to develop. So when people started calling tech talent, quote, the new rock stars, Rashawn and his co-founder wondered if they could take what they did for the entertainment industry and introduce it into new markets. In the first part of this interview series, we're going to explore finding, quote, 10x talent, what it means, how to hire it, and most importantly, how to retain it. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Well, this is something I have never done. It's an experiment for me. I can tell from your website you've been on a lot of podcasts. So you've been. You've we been have done a variety of podcasts over the last probably about a year or so. Uh-huh. So, what is it you've never done? Talk to uh, a redhead. No, I've talked to many redheads before, <laughs> dated some even. Uh, I've never responded to a uh, random request ah, podcast and been like, all got right, it. sure, let's do that. <laughs> but uh, you seemed interest- in- interesting. And I, so it just, I find you find me in a different place, or your assistant did. And so it was like, all right, sure, let's do this. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you doing something different. And I hope that it ends up being both. Different and good. Yeah, well, we'll find out. <laughs> proof will be I, in the pudding. Yeah, so I, I've got questions for you. You okay just cool. sort of... Uh, just Absolutely. I think we're both... I get the sense... I know I'm good at imp- improvisation, and I get the sense that you are too. I'm pretty good at improvisation, and I'm moderately fluent in English, and I think <laughs> those things together, <laughs> I feel like... I, I think we could do this. I think we'll do... I think this will be good. Okay, cool. So do you want to start by just giving the audience a, a you know, one-minute background on you for people who have never heard of you and, and how you got where you are? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, myself and my business partner, we both grew up in New York City in the 70s and, and 80s. And it was, as we quote in the book, it was a hustle-rich culture. 
in New York <laughs> at that time. Nice. Um, uh, and so we got exposed to a lot of different types of uh, you know entrepreneurial ventures at a, at a super early age. And we were both very, very entrepreneurial at a very early age, I think because of that. And one of the things that was in the backdrop the entire time as we were growing up is that a lot of the friends that we had, their parents were in the entertainment world. So we sort of saw the world of entertainment and music in particular not through the lens of, oh, I love that song, or I love the usage of that in a movie, or, you know, I, I love MTV, because that was obviously coming of age um, sure. in that 81, 82 timeframe. It was more about, oh, we know the manager who works with this artist, or we know the lawyer who represents those artists, or, uh-huh. you know, so we sort of saw it from the backdrop of behind the music, so to speak, cool. the business side of it. And so our first venture at the ripe age of 24, 25, was to form an entertainment management company called Brickwall Management mm-hmm. that is still in existence now. So we've represented basically music and entertainment talent for almost 26 years. And through that time, we were hiring tech freelancers to build websites. Um, when the app store first opened, we started building um, apps for the entertainment industry. And so we kept bumping up against a similar type of problem which at the time we, you know, we just sort of mentally chalked up to, oh gosh, I wish there was, uh, or I yeah. wish this could happen. And then by around 2010, people started calling tech talent um, and tech executives the new rock stars. And for us, it was a little bit of like, you know, not a light bulb moment, but it was like, huh, I wonder if what we do representationally in entertainment can be ported over to other verticals. And this is also around the time, maybe even a little bit after the time that like there were celebrity chefs who had agents. Um, And so this idea of talent really was beginning to broaden out. Um, And so in 2011, we set out to see if we could put a talent agency together similar to what you have in entertainment at, say, CAA or William Morris Endeavor for tech talent. And the tech talent that we represent is senior level freelance talent across the whole spectrum of, you know, data science, cryptocurrency, you know, front end, back end, all, all the sort of modern technologies. And so we started the company 10X Management, which we formalized in 2012. And it was super interesting. I mean, it was in a lot of ways so similar to what we had done in entertainment and in other ways drastically different. And there was certainly a learning curve for us as far as what all these different technologies and languages and platforms, what they mean, what they do. Um, not that we you know, went to coding camp or anything like that, but we really understood at least on a surface level what, you know, what is Python? Is it front end or back end? Yeah. You know, th- things of that nature. But the actual talent representation part of it is, is very similar. And you know, the value proposition was pretty simple. Let's take the business elements off of the talent's plate so they can focus on what they do best. And for companies, let's provide them with rapid access to pre-vetted freelance talent. And that was really a solution for both of the issues that we found when we were hiring people ourselves, which is like, how do we find somebody good and how do we know that they're good? And then how do we ensure that the person who we bring on can really focus on solving the problem as opposed to these other things that they had to do, like finding the right kinds of projects and negotiating them and often not negotiating them that well, staying on scope, you know, invoicing, collecting. It was all these other side things that were causing delays 
Um, and there was a level of professionalism that we felt was missing. So that was sort of our journey from entertainment into technology. And the book that we wrote, which is called Game Changer, How to Be 10X in the Talent Economy, is really a distillation of what we've learned representing different types of talent. And it's essentially a sort of an uh, a open letter to companies about what we believe they're still lacking in order to really modernize and be competitive in the talent economy where you're doing more with less and every person you hire has to be phenomenal. And then also to individuals about what they need to do not to get left behind in the talent economy, how to sort of push themselves down the 10x spectrum. And I guess I should probably tell your audience what I mean when I say 10x yeah, or what we ahead. mean when we say 10x. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I, you know, at any point you want to jump in and tell me to be okay. quiet and, and ask I've a question. I've five questions already. <laughs> go, go a little bit more. So for us, a 10xer is somebody who is equal parts high IQ intelligence. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows about that. And high EQ. Many people don't really know the term or the concept, but it's basically emotional intelligence. It's how you interact with people. It's the empathy you feel. It's being able to put yourselves in other shoes, communicate with people, work with a team, because you can take the best and brightest person, but if they can't communicate effectively, the likelihood that they're going to be truly a high performer is limited. And you can take somebody who's pretty good at what they do, but if they're exceptionally gifted on the EQ side, it's you know they can take you incredibly far. Um, and so the book really balances these two areas, like what can companies do to a- attract, hire, manage, and retain those high performers? And what can we as individuals, mere mortals, do to sort of push ourselves down the 10x spectrum? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got so many questions. I'm not sure uh, which one to start <laughs> with. Can EQ be trained? Yes. I do think there are people that are born with it, um, that are very natural with it. But it can be trained. And really what we talk about, and I think it's five chapters in the book that talk about what the individuals can do. The number one thing, well, to the top two things that 10Xers do and what we all should be doing is A, continually learning. Mm-hmm. And that's not just learning and upskilling in your craft, but that's learning about who we are and how we tick and how we can better communicate and interact with other people that we have to work with and and other people in our lives as well. And then the other thing that we think is the most important aspect is feedback. We learn about ourselves and also professionally by getting feedback from those people in our lives whom we trust and who we work with. So we talk about feedback from people below you, adjacent to you and above you, sort of a Mm -hmm. 360 feedback loop. And also providing others with that honest feedback because that's how they're going to get better and also understand what it is that you're looking for. So as a manager, providing that feedback is essential to being a good manager. So I think those are two of the ways that individuals can learn EQ. But we talk about something called the sabotage instinct. And if you as an individual have that, and if you as an organization have people that are employed that possess the sabotage instinct... That is really challenging. I mean, those are people we've all we've all seen them in our lives who continually make the wrong decisions in the face of information that they're receiving, yeah, and blame other people and don't take responsibility. Those are you know sort of toxic individuals, and I'm not sure that they're you know you sort of have to hit rock bottom and then you determine where I, you go from I there. I agree. The bottom is usually what's required for those people to learn. So how do you screen them out? How do you How do you hire for EQ? Well, I think hiring for EQ, 
it can be a challenge. The, the vetting and, and the kind of vetting that we do for the clients that we represent is really broken down into three major parts. It's a personality interview or two mm-hmm. where we're really, all we're trying to assess is like who you are, how do you deal with things? What's your viewpoint? You know, How do you make mistakes? How do you resolve mistakes? How do you communicate when a, when a company or a customer wants you to do something that you believe is completely wrong? So the process that we go through is really you know, a very humanized and humanizing conversation, almost like the kind of thing we're having now where we're talking about you know, what makes us tick. Is it foolproof? Definitely not. And the proof is in the pudding. So we utilize a sort of you know, one or two strike process when we bring somebody on. But of course, we're talking about freelancers. So it's a different level of commitment for a company. With a W-2 employee, it it is challenging. And we do talk in the book about the ways we think that procurement and HR need to modernize because a lot of what companies tend to do is talk about like, hey, what's your salary need? We don't think that makes sense. It's much more important to understand a lot of the other things that go into what makes an employee happy or what they need. So, you know, vetting for EQ or interviewing for EQ, I I think that's a lot of gut instinct and experience of what markers to look for. And also, and we talk about this in the book, it's, it's cutting bait very quickly. Um, It's it's identifying when you've made a mistake and moving quickly to resolve that mistake. What's one of your favorite questions to get people to reveal things about themselves that they don't necessarily want to? I mean, we don't have, I, I wish we had some like really innovative questions. They're pretty meat and potatoes. It's, you know, you're working on a project and you make a mistake and, and something goes wrong. What do you do? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't tell them what I expect them to answer. You know, what do you do? And if they say, well, I, I try to cover it up. You know, I, I try and solve the problem and, and just make it go away. People actually say that. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've heard that before. Wow. Not so much. Not so much in the like I'm trying to sweep it under the rug, but more yeah. like, oh, I identify the problem and I just try and deal with it. You know, that's not necessarily a wrong answer, but to us, the right answer is I own up to it. I talk to you know the company I'm working with. I try to have a plan of attack in place when I have that conversation, but I own up uh-huh. to the fact that this has happened. Um, so it's a lot of open-ended questions where hopefully we're not leading people too much yeah. to an answer. You know, we talk about uh, in the book, we talk about this a lot, but blind spots, things that we know about ourselves with, that we, we don't, we're not particularly good at. So I'll talk about something that maybe I'm not that great at. And then hopefully that frees them up a little to talk about something maybe they're not that great at. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, You'll open the door that way. Yeah. You know, because we all have blind spots and the question is how aware of them are you? There's the EQ called, for you includes self-awareness, obviously. It includes self-awareness. It includes humility. You know, you have to understand that all is based on trust. Everything that we're talking about in the book is really based on building trust. Mm -hmm. And we build trust by being transparent and honest and owning up to things when they're problems, because we all have problems. We all make make mistakes. Um, It's how we deal with that that really builds that trust. The mistake Mm -hmm. itself, you know, you hope it's not something catastrophic, but mistakes happen and we can either choose to learn and grow and be honest about them, or we can try and sweep them under the rug, which is not 10x. 
can that be trained, that kind of vulnerability, that kind of honesty? Or are, are you, I mean, maybe the, the bigger question is, should a hiring manager, whether they're hiring their own people or working with you guys, should they even try to train such things or just hire for people who have that in the first place? Well, I think to the extent that you can hire for that going in, yes, you mm-hmm. should hire for that. But I think that you know a lot of what will dictate that is a culture within an organization. So you may hire for that and you can actually turn somebody off to being vulnerable if the organization isn't open to it and and doesn't reward that behavior. So for us, it's really about a top-down, people-centric management style. If the values that you as a company espouse, you actually live those values day in and day out, and you create an environment where people can be vulnerable you can take somebody who maybe isn't that vulnerable and get them to be more vulnerable and open and honest. Mm -hmm. And you can foster people who already have that predisposition to be that, or you can shut it off. I mean, it's really, it's again, trust. It takes a lifetime to be built and a second to be broken. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.